This episode includes depictions of graphic mob violence and discussions of enslavement and genocide. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of the Popobawa. Today's episode combines features from a number of legends told in Zanzibar and Tanzania for dramatic effect. Welcome, explorers. I'm Vanessa Richardson. This is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Each week, we cross the globe in an epic search for terrifying creatures and legendary monsters, because you never really understand a culture until you know its deepest fears. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we end our journey through the caves of the world's most horrifying bat monsters. We finish in Zanzibar, an island group just off the coast of Tanzania. Their political turmoil draws the attention of an ominous bat spirit known as the Popobawa. It attacks you in your bed at night, crushing you until it breaks your bones. Coming up, the Popobawa makes a house call. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. The Zanzibar Archipelago is a series of islands in the Indian Ocean, just off the coast of Tanzania. The two largest of these are Zanzibar and Pemba. They were an important trading center in the ancient world, bringing wealth to the islands, or at least some on the islands. There was conflict between the Arab ruling class and the indigenous population long before the British made Zanzibar a protectorate in 1890. It all came to a head when Zanzibar became independent in 1963. The British withdrew from the country, leaving an Arab sultanate in control. The indigenous Afro-Shirazi party took over Zanzibar in a bloody revolution in January 1964. 
1995, Zanzibar prepared to hold their first multi-party elections. The 1964 revolution was still fresh on everyone's minds, and the country stood on a knife's edge, braced for potential violence. It was then that Zanzibar experienced a rather large increase in the number of Popobawa attacks. The Popobawa is a bat-like shapeshifter, appearing to its victims as a spirit, an animal, even as a human. It attacks its prey in the night, pressing down on their backs until their ribs break. The reports of Popobawa attacks in 1995 led to a widespread panic. Mobs murdered several people after mistaking them for the monster. It was a tragedy, of course, but you must understand the extreme fear when it came to this threat. The people could not afford to doubt, because the Popobawa's favorite victim is the skeptic. There was a Popobawa on Kibwe's exam table, or at least that was what he'd been told. He looked nothing like a regular bat, let alone a Popobawa. He was a man. He had two eyes rather than one and no wings at all. His skin was the same deep brown as Kibwe's, somewhere between ancient wood and rich river silt. He kept his hair in long, elegant braids. Someone had spent a lot of time doing them. Someone had cared for him. But the villagers had thought he was a Popobawa, and now he was dead. Being a medical examiner was always hard, but these days were harder than others. Saeed, Kibwe's only colleague in the tiny office, gave a whistle of sympathy as he walked by. Kibwe wasn't sure if it was for him or the corpse in front of him. The man had been beaten black and blue, blood crusting along his cracked lips. Kibwe had respect for religion. He'd been raised Muslim, and he supported his family's belief in folk healing, even though he considered himself a man of science. But this was too far. Faith was all well and good until someone got hurt. Poor devil. Saeed didn't look up from his paperwork. Ironic choice of words, considering. Kibwe glared at him. Don't be crass. Saeed didn't rise to the bait, still focusing on his notes. I'm crass? You're the one who doesn't believe. Kibwe was offended. I didn't say I didn't believe in the Popobawa. I said this was a murder and should be treated as one. Saeed finally put the clipboard down and rose from his chair. If you believed, you wouldn't think that. You'd know they acted out of caution. Evil spirits are about. Spirits that can change their shape. Spirits that thrive on strife. The election is next week, a perfect time for malevolent beings to stir up violence. Kibwe sighed. Yes, I know what can happen, and I believe in possession, I believe in witches, I believe in spirits, but there are enough real monsters in the world already, Saeed, especially during election season. Saeed leveled with him, holding his gaze for emphasis. You must be cautious. Don't sleep alone. Don't open the front door after dark. The Popobawa will take any form to gain entrance. You will know it by the smell of sulfur. If it does get a hold of you, you must tell everyone what happened, everyone in town. Only then will you be free. Kibwe rolled his eyes. 
Thank you, Saeed. I will try to acquire a wife between now and the end of my shift so I don't sleep alone. Saeed didn't laugh at the joke. If you want me to stand watch with you, I can. Kibwe let out an awkward chuckle. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Go home. I need to finish up here. Things will blow over by next week. Saeed clearly wanted to say more, but he only nodded solemnly. Be careful, Kibwe. I always am, Kibwe replied, hands deep within the supposed Popobawa's chest cavity. Saeed pushed through the swinging doors and was gone. Kibwe completed his work carefully. He doubted the officials would listen to him when it came to this poor anonymous man's fate, but he had to try. When he'd done all he could, he rolled the man back into his little cold storage drawer and collected his things to head home. Kibwe walked along the road between the lab and his home. It was cold for April, and he shivered in his thin coat. He listened to the rustle of the creatures around him, hidden on either side of the road, where civilization met jungle. The wind moved the leaves in the trees. Underneath it, Kibwe swore he could hear wings? Large, leathery ones, five-foot wingspan at least, he eyed the mango trees up ahead. He knew Saeed would have been frightened, but Kibwe was excited. The Pemba flying fox had been hunted to near extinction on their little island. Seeing these giant bats in the wild was becoming a rare treat. He peered into the darkness, searching for the glint of the fruit bat's distinctive red eyes. It took more than a few moments, but finally he found it. The bat had a long snout and short pointed ears, dog-like. Kibwe was pleased at this bit of good luck, but then he realized something strange. It was only one bat. Flying foxes were social creatures. They lived in colonies, sleeping in the trees together during the day and flocking at night. But this bat was alone, sitting beneath the largest leaf like it was waiting for something. Kibwe shook his head. His imagination was getting the best of him. He hurried home. Kibwe locked his front door that night. He always did that, but tonight his skin felt clammy against the cold metal latch. He hung his bag on the hook and placed his lunch pail on the counter. He was too tired to cook, so it would be sleep first. Then, a chipsy Mayai French fry omelette from a street cart on the way back to work tomorrow. Kibwe stumbled into his bedroom. He could barely keep his eyes open. Still, he made sure to close the window above his bed before he fell asleep. It wasn't out of fear. It was just cold. Yes, it was just cold. His eyes fell closed and he began to snore. The sound covered up the flutter of giant wings as they landed on the roof. It covered up the skittering of claws as they crossed the tile. And it covered up the soft squeak that left the large bat's mouth as its face filled the whole window. Coming up, the Popobawa comes knocking. 
They're role models, nurturers, and to many, the ultimate best friend. But what happens when mommy dearest has a dark side, one that's more criminal than caring? Find out in the Spotify original from Parcast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson, host of Malicious Moms. Every Sunday on Spotify, join me for a closer look at the moms who took their maternal instincts to illegal extremes. A beloved actress who would do anything for her child. A jilted ex who used her kids to take deadly revenge. Plus, a wife, a mistress, and an altercation with an axe you have to hear to believe. In this podcast collection, learn the dire lengths some women went to help their children and how others used motherhood to carry out their misdeeds. Sometimes true crime can be a real mother. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Kibway woke because someone was crying. There was a high-pitched canine keening just outside his door. He tried to ignore it at first, but it only got louder. Kibway turned over. He threw the blanket over his head. It wouldn't go away. He had a 12-hour shift tomorrow. He needed his sleep. He got out of bed and marched to the front door. He threw it open to find a small dog. Its eyes were big and round, almost red. It gave Kibway its best pleading look. Kibway might have been swayed if a new smell hadn't just hit his nostrils. Like rotten eggs and meat had been left in the sun for days. God, what had that dog eaten? Kibway gagged and shut the door. It helped the smell a little, but not entirely. Kibwe placed his hand over his mouth in hopes of keeping the food in his stomach and ran to his bedroom. The window came open with a squeak. Fresh air rushed in. Kibwe finally breathed again. He took a moment to center himself. He was on edge, yes, but everyone was on edge. With the election coming up, his neighbors were all scared that violence would break out. Between that and Saeed's horror stories at work, it was no wonder Kibwe felt anxious. Kibwe curled up into bed again, wrapping the blankets tight around him. He'd crack the window open for a little while just to keep the air moving. And to prove to himself he wasn't afraid. He stared at the window frame until exhaustion overcame him. He turned over on his stomach and let his eyes close again. He didn't hear what was happening outside. Something was changing, skin stretching, muscles tearing, growing larger and larger. A dark shadow engulfed Kibwe's yard. Finally, the Popo Bawa's bat wings unfurled. 
It had gone from a five feet wingspan to 25. It bent over the house like a child bending over a sandbox. The Popobawa lowered one large red eye to the small window, studying the man inside. The pupil filled the frame, turning the angled glass to a mirror of black obsidian. The darkness turned to smoke, inching through the tiny gap in the window. It pooled over Kibwe's body like water, enveloping him in a cloud of swirling ink. Kibwe was still face down in the pillow, but his nostrils twitched. His eyes shot open. The smell made his eyes water. Sulfur, rot, and the distinctive stench of trash burning. He reached up to pinch his nose, or at least he tried to, but his arm wouldn't respond. It tingled and trembled, but did not move. He tried to open his eyes. That didn't work either. His mouth was clamped shut as if held by a hand he couldn't see. The fingers were too long and thin to be human. He felt a clawed foot press on his back. His spine gave way a little, like he'd pulled off a very good stretch. Then it kept going. An immense weight settled on his body, pressing him down into the mattress. It was too much for him to take. He swore he could hear fractures forming in his ribs. They bent as far as they could go, fighting for a release, but the pressure kept going. Kibwe forced a groan through his bruising lips. He tried to twist against the strange grip, but it held. The pain was excruciating. He prayed that he would pass out, but he remained conscious as his ribs finally snapped. The jagged shards of his shattered bones tore at his insides. Blood pooled in his mouth. The metallic taste coated his tongue. His mind grew hazy. The last thought he had was of Saeed. He had been right. The Popobawa knew Kibwe didn't believe in it, and it had punished him. Coming up, Kibwe learns there are worse things than a single Popobawa. Now, back to the story. Kibwe had already given up when the Popobawa's sulfurous smoke receded. He felt the strange incorporeal hand slide away from his face. Then slowly, slowly, the back-breaking weight lifted away from him. He struggled to open his eyes. Even the light of the moon was too bright for them. His face was still pressed up against his pillow. Kibwe pushed himself up onto his forearms as carefully as he could. Each breath cut his insides like broken glass. He couldn't tell how many ribs he'd broken, but he could assume it was far too many. He wanted to lay back down and sleep until someone came looking for him, but he knew that could be the last thing he'd ever do. He probably had internal bleeding. Saeed had been right in many respects. The Popobawa was real, and it would have been better if Kibwe didn't live alone. Kibwe pulled himself up by sheer force of will. He clung to the bedpost to steady his breathing. But there was no chance of doing that when he suddenly remembered the last thing Saeed had said. 
the only way to protect himself from another assault was to tell everyone about the Popobawa attack, to make them understand. But he could barely move, and he didn't know how long it would be until the creature returned. He needed to get outside and tell the world right now. Kibwe staggered his way out the door and into the yard. He tried to call for help, but only a croak came out. He limped over to his neighbor's door and knocked. No one answered. He knocked again. Nothing. Kibwe bent down to peer through the front window. A curtain shifted ever so slightly. Someone was definitely inside. He attacked the door. Each cry for aid tore his lungs. Help! Please help! The Popobawa attacked me! But the curtains remained still, and the house stayed quiet. He trudged to the next house, nearly collapsing in the mud several times. He knocked again. No answer. Help! The Popobawa! He had to pause to throw up blood. Please! Oh God, please! He turned and headed for the house across the street. Kibwe reached the door and raised his hand to knock. The door opened and a man stood inside. It was Kibwe's friend, Damu. There was a shotgun in his hand. I use this to shoot bats, my friend. You must leave now. Kibwe couldn't believe what Damu was saying. Could he not see the state of him? Help me, please. It attacked me. The man shoved the gun in Kibwe's face. Away, now. I'll not let you in here. Get going. Kibwe pulled back. Damu, you know me. We went to school together. Damu shoved the gun forward. It shook in his hands. There was fear in his eyes. I don't know you, shapeshifter. Kibwe tumbled off the steps landing on his backside with a hard thud. It couldn't be. It couldn't be. But the next voice he heard confirmed it. You found another one, Damu? A Popobawa? Kibwe struggled to his feet. No, no, Haki, you know me. Haki nudged Kibwe with his gun. Kibwe doesn't go bothering people in the middle of the night when there's monsters about. Kibwe's a good young man. Tears streamed down Kibwe's face. Please, please. But he could see in Damu's eyes, Damu could not suffer a Popobawa to live. Said was quite good at maintaining scientific distance, but even he struggled to complete his autopsy report with his friend lying on the exam table. Noting each one of Kibwe's injuries only made it hurt more. Bruising, bleeding, broken ribs, broken skull. He hadn't had a chance. Saeed shook his head. It was difficult to reconcile the idea of a shape-shifting Popobawa being his old friend Kibwe. Kibwe, who had talked about visiting his medical school friends in the city next month, who had always made an extra cup of instant coffee on days Saeed was running late, who often disagreed with Saeed, but never made him feel lesser. But look at where ignoring Saeed had gotten him. 
Saeed pushed his doubts aside. He had to accept that Kibwe had become a Popobawa. He needed to trust his faith, follow his own warnings. That would keep him safe. Saeed paused. The hairs at the back of his neck stood up, but he didn't know why. He turned to the only window in the lab, half expecting to see some ghoulish person looking in. But there was nothing, just deep, reflective darkness, like polished obsidian. He needed to get more sleep, that was all. In the meantime, he was safe, not like Kibwe. He looked down at his friend, muttered, poor devil, and then returned to his work. With his back to the window, he didn't notice the small gap where the glass didn't quite meet the frame or the thin plume of dark smoke that trickled out of it. It's said that the first Popobawa incidents occurred in the 1960s, when Zanzibar was in the last throes of its rule by the Sultanate. One story goes that a sheik captured a jinn, a powerful spirit in Arabic mythology. He asked the being to help him get revenge after an act of romantic betrayal, but he lost control of the jinn, and it became the violent Popobawa. It's easy to see the connection between the 1964 Zanzibar Revolution and this legend. A powerful man thinks he can control a supernatural force. Chafing under his commands, the jinn throws off its oppressor through violence. The Popobawa's origin story can be read as a metaphor for the uprising of Zanzibar's indigenous population against the Arab Sultanate. Since then, the monster has retained its connection to political turmoil, Although it's no longer an anti-imperialist avenger, some say that opposing political parties send Popobawas to keep villagers from organizing for the upcoming vote. And during the election in 2000, political cartoons depicted Popobawas attacking different partisan legislators. With this modern Popobawa, it seems not even belief is enough to keep you safe. He can go after anyone. But if that's the case, do you really want to be a skeptic and put a larger target on your back? If you deny the Popobawa's existence, how will you sleep at night? How will you ever sleep again? Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new season, Mischievous Monsters. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Richet, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
For many, Sunday is a special day spent with family. That makes it the perfect time to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Malicious Moms. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every Sunday in this ParCast collection, join me for an intimate look at the matriarchs who were far more criminal than caring. Warning, this isn't your mother's podcast. Follow Malicious Moms free and only on Spotify.